stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. It's showtime. It's showtime after a long break. Uh, we are back. I am so glad to be back on the Brave Maker Show. My name is Tony Gapastone. My pronouns are he, him, his. I am the founder and executive director of Brave Maker. I'm in the Brave Maker studio with my black background. It says Brave Maker on. I'm wearing a black shirt. I'm a Caucasian dude with brown hair and some scruff. And I am so happy to be back in the live chair with my creative co-host in banter christina jackson so christina hey hey tony what's going on it is so good to be back summer has been amazing and it's not over yet not over so that's pretty perfect yeah so i am the co-host here with tony for the brave maker filmmaker show super excited to talk to today's filmmaker my pronouns are he she they i am in dublin california in my studio and i'm an actor and comic book writer and Actually, I've, uh, we'll get to braving our way, but today's guest has a lot to do with how I'm braving my way this week. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so Christina and I, we took two months off. We decided <laughs> that the summer needed a break for us both. We have been going, 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 doing our weekly show. We're writing and directing and producing and acting and doing all these things. We're doing our film festival or online screenings and panel discussions. And so this is our first time back for the new season of the Brave Maker Show. And we've moved it to Wednesdays. If you're watching yeah. now live, you see that. If you're watching on the replay, no, you can join us live every single Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're a nonprofit, so we totally rely on the generosity of our givers and donors. So as you are watching, please share this in your social media feeds, follow our special guests on their socials, promote the work, watch the films, read the books, that we promote every week because this is a, a passion mm -hmm. of ours and we want to elevate brave stories for justice, diversity, and inclusion. But before we bring our special guest every week, Christina and I start with one question. And that question mm -hmm. is, how are you braving your way toward your creative goals? The whole idea is one step at a time, whether you're mm -hmm. making a film or writing a comic book, it just takes a bunch of little decisions. So Christina, how are you braving your way this week? I am braving my way with treatments. Nice. I am creating treatments for a whole bunch of different projects. And I would just say, if you have anything in mind, like a film or a comic book, start with the treatment. If you don't know what that is, Google it or better yet, grab Dan's book. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But treatments are the way to go. It just is a beautiful way to get your idea down on paper in a cohesive manner so that you could share it with other people even start pitching. You could pitch with a treatment. And Tony, you've shared some really beautiful treatments with me. And I've been inspired. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. And I also forgot to provide my description. I'm an African-American woman wearing a King T'Challa shirt. <laughs> and I'm rocking some uh, short black bob. Today we'll get into the cosplay of it all a little bit later. But Tony, how are you braving your way this week? Thanks for asking. So we often talk about on the show that you've got, you know, filmmaking, it's, there's so many parts and elements and collaborations. And one of the things this week, as we're doing our feature film, we are in post-production for our feature film, Last Chance Charlene, in which we wrapped production in June, my very first feature. But right now I am 
there's so much communication going on. Sound designer, which huge shout out to Matthew Waters, who's our sound designer. He did Game of Thrones, just worked with Barry Jenkins, Underground Railroad. So right now it's just like lots of communication, communication with our lawyer, getting things ready for when we get to get, you know, E and O insurance. I don't even know sometimes what that means. Errors and omissions. And I got to scrape up more money and I'm fundraising and I'm asking donors to keep pitching in so we can finish the film, which, yeah. So go after your dreams, y'all one step at a time, lots of communication, lots of asking people and lots of collaborations with Mm -hmm. all different sorts of creative people. So that's how I'm braving my way this week. And it's a perfect segue to our guest who. I have been sort of following stalking uh, along the way <laughs> that I have uh, do, been doing this Brave Maker journey because he's got this really kind of like put it up to the man story uh, with his own filmmaker journey as the co-founder of Slam Dance, which we'll get into. And he is a writer and a director as well as an author of this new mm-hmm. book called The Cheerful Subversive's Guide to Independent Filmmaking, the second yeah. edition. So welcome, Dan Mervish, to the show. Hi. Hi. Hey welcome to uh, Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Dan. Absolutely. You're super stoked to have you. You're in <laughs> Los Angeles, right? You're yeah, in Culver, Culver City. City. That's yep. right. I know you live in Culver City because you tell us in the book. So I'm not that much of a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I've been a fan of yours for a while and really grateful to have you on the show to talk about your journey, you know, as a film festival in our fourth year kind of doing the same thing you did like if Sundance won't let us in then we'll start our own you even talk about that in your book it's so so great so yeah yeah, um yeah just I guess talk about your like right now what you're doing you know presently Christina will have the next question going back a little bit but talk about kind of what life looks like for you in LA right now as a filmmaker and author and film festival co-founder uh yeah so i am in post production probably a little farther along than you are We're actually almost 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 finishing um color correction which is the last step in our film uh we've already finished sound and the film is 18 and a half it is a um 70s watergate conspiracy thriller slash dark comedy and um it's got a fun cast uh the voice of bruce campbell as as nixon and um uh willa fitzgerald and john mcgarro and uh vondi curtis hall and kathy Curtin and richard kind and sully jones and uh also the voice of john cryer and ted ramey anyway uh and fantastic uh, uh creative partners i've worked on with the film as well and we we shot the film in March of 2020. What could possibly go wrong in March <laughs> of 2020? So we got about 80% of it in the can and then had to take a pandemic pause or healthy hiatus with four days left to shoot, which we wound up doing exactly six months later in September of 2020. So, uh, And basically, I just, on this film, I just grabbed the hard drives and came home and I've been the one editing, you know, uh, the lion's share of it and and just doing everything remotely from home pretty much, um, which is fine. You know, that's, you do what you got to do. We had, you know, indie film, you have time if you don't have money and we've had a lot of time. So yeah. this is kind of a perfect time to make a movie. Um, and then meanwhile, I was also writing the second edition of my book, The Cheerful Subversive Guide to Independent Filmmaking, which just came out about a month ago. And I'm also working on the audiobook version of it. <laughs> I was going to ask that. Um, cool. Yeah, that's actually why I bought the fancy mic. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and so I've recorded it, I've edited it, and now I just kind of need to master it and, and put it up there. Uh, but, you know, the film still takes precedent. You know, so we've been submitting to festivals. We've gotten into some festivals that I can't tell you about yet, but uh, <laughs> there's some good festivals coming up in the fall. But, you know, there's a lot of deliverables you have to do just for uh, just to get into festivals um, or, or once you're in, you know, just dealing with uh, publicity and stills approval from, mm -hmm. from all the actors and bio approvals from the actors and um you know, and and it's it's a you know even though we have fantastic actors that are all real team players, it's still it's just it's a lot of work and yeah. just managing like that approval process is is complicated. Um, but you know, everyone's excited to about the film, and so am I. And then trying to somehow eventually sell the film too, but uh, that's a whole other process. <laughs> so y'all, as you listen to Dan talk about eighteen and a half, his website is uh in the chat will also be in the show notes danmirvish.com he talks about the making of 18 and a half in this book and it's just so exactly. good this is seriously like a master class you don't got to go to film school <laughs> just buy this freaking book exactly. buy this book and learn how to make a film from beginning to end from the writing to the casting to the directing and mm -hmm. raising funds to the, i mean it's so damn well seriously I ate yeah. this thing up. I am <laughs> loving it. So thank uh, you. Thank, thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yes, and of course, people can buy the book anywhere fine mm -hmm. books are sold, which is to say Amazon, or or you can go directly to. Uh, I actually just found out the publisher, uh, which is Focal Press and Rutledge, is having a twenty percent off back to school sale right mm. now. So. Get that um, back to school cash off. Yeah. Yes. But the audio book, when it does come out, will actually probably be cheaper. So if you like audiobooks but you don't get the pictures <laughs> so my kids did some of the illustrations and uh and there's some good photos in there too i love audiobooks so i'm super excited to hear that it will soon be good. available on audio yes damn the book is such a gift uh tony introduced the book to me so thank you oh. for that got me on the right path with my treatments because it's there's a lot going on and it's like where do i start get the idea down on paper in a way you could share it with others and so yeah the book is phenomenal but let's back up a lot. Sure. So I've been immersed in comic book world for a while now. And one of my favorite stories to hear are origin stories. So Dan, if you could share with us, where were you born and raised? And how did you end up in filmmaking and entertainment and, and an author? Uh, yeah, well, after being dropped in a vat of radioactive uh, waste. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something different. Uh, no, I was born in Madison, Wisconsin, but I basically grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. And um, hence the, uh, see back there, back, which finger there? It says it's, Omaha. It's weird me. mirrored. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I can't. There you go. That's is that there say you, there you got it. That's you it. got it. Okay. He's pointing to his poster in there the back. There you go. Yeah. Uh, which is a weird vertical poster, which is a whole other weird story. But uh, they were free. So um, you do what you can. Uh, yeah. So I grew up in Omaha and then went to college in St. Louis. And then I did some summer classes in film at UCLA, um, which is great one summer. And then I took a bit of a detour away from film. I majored in history and poli sci because I went to a school that didn't really have a film department, although I had uh, one one good film uh, professor there. Um, and then uh, I worked in D.C. for a couple of years as a journalist and then mainly as a speechwriter to a senator and then applied to film school. And the only one I got into was USC. So 
I'm like, all right, I'll go there. And uh, so I went to USC for film school. Then after the first summer, got a job on a kickboxing movie in the Philippines and uh, learned a ton of how to make a movie from beginning to end. And, uh, oh, that's a clip from Open House, which was my 2004 real estate musical, uh, which I'm, was a lot of fun to, uh, to make. And, and uh, there's a lot of great videos on there. There's Anthony Rapp, who's, who's running for SAG, Secretary Treasurer this week. Um, uh, wonderful guy, Jimmy Duvall there. Um, yeah, that was a fun cast and, uh, you know, very low budget. But we also did a whole Oscar campaign which I talk about in the book. Um, and it actually changed the rules of the Academy Awards uh, with that film. So that was, I think, my second film. Um, but anyway, while I was at SC, I did a, um, uh, I figured out a loophole where I could do a full-length feature as my thesis film. And so I made this film, Omaha, the movie, um, that you see behind me. I went back to Nebraska and shot that and my local producing partner was a guy named dana altman and it, coincidentally his grandfather is uh, robert altman so he kind of became our mentor on the film and then uh we finished the film uh we shot on 35 millimeter all with local cast and crew uh edited the film for free on the paramount lot i mean the edit the um you know the rental was free uh so that was fun and then um it didn't get into sundance that's the short version <laughs> So we started like so many others before you exactly (laughs) and after you and yeah, a lot more after. So anyway, and that was really, it was, it was a pivotal time. It was around 1995, 94, 95. And that was a time when, um, you know, indie film was kind of changing. It was around that time that Miramax had just become part of Disney. Fine line had just become part of Warner brothers. And, um, and those, uh, um, uh, sorry, I'm getting all distracted by watching <laughs> old clips, but um, and so it was. It was kind of the Hollywoodization of independent film was happening right around that time, um, and so Sundance kind of was going along for that ride, and so they went from taking you know lots of cool first time indie feature filmmakers to taking second time directors and films with bigger budgets and films that already had distribution. And that sort of thing, and so they left behind this niche of the of the first time indie filmmakers uh, like me. And so, uh, you know, I teamed up. Uh, there was a there was a it wasn't just me. It was a bunch of us um, who all had films, and a bunch of us had met at the Independent Feature Film Market, which is now called Film Week, run by um, well, now it's called Gotham. It was IFP. Anyway, so we had met there and then we thought, and we had heard of a couple individual filmmakers the year before didn't get into Sundance. And that was uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone with their first film, uh, Cannibal the Musical, you know, the South Park guys. And the, and also a guy named James Marandino had a little film called The Upstairs Neighbor. They didn't get into Sundance in 94 um, and they had done their own little renegade screenings. And so we'd heard about these guys and we thought, oh, well, if, if they can do that, maybe that should be our plan B. And then one of the other filmmakers that first year, a guy named Shane Kuhn, he said, you know, why don't we take that idea and also an idea that my producing partner, Dana Altman had had of, cause he, Dana was living stuck in Omaha. So he, he was kind of amorphously thinking of what can we all do to help each other, you know, on a grassroots level. And so we kind of combined those ideas and we thought, well, let's just show up in Park City. 
Uh, and in the end, we wound up with a dozen features and a dozen shorts. Um, uh, my friend Paul Rackman had kind of spearheaded the shorts side of it and uh, with his short film. And we just showed up in Park City. Well, first, we actually, we were mistaken. We showed up in Salt Lake City. We looked at the map wrong. And um, and so we went to the University of Utah. And of course, then no one was showing up. And we're Far like, but on the away. map, it's only yeah. five minutes away. <laughs> what? Far and, away. And then by the next day, uh, two of our filmmakers, uh, Lisa Raven and Frank Hudak, who had a film called Low, they, uh, I went with them. We we uh, rented some uh, sixty millimeter projector and and a and a screen, and we hightailed it up to Park City, and we rented a, a screening room, literally thirty feet down the hall from one of Sundance's main venues. And that was it. You know, then we were right there with them, and have been for the last twenty eight years. So that's the short version. <laughs> The history of slam dance right yeah, there. That's amazing. Super amazing. 30 years now? Is that what it's been? About? Almost, yeah. yeah. Almost like 30 years. 28 years. Something and you're crazy. just, I just saw you announced uh, Miami. Basically, you're taking yeah. slam dance to Miami, Florida. Yeah, there's a, yeah, which is something I think we were supposed to do last year when <laughs> the pandemic <laughs> hit. So that's been, that was delayed until now. But yeah, we've got some uh, uh, filmmaking and alumni friends in Miami, and they wanted to do a, a, an event there. So we're, it's sort of a cooperative event down in Miami. That's so cool. So I want to go back to your book. And by the way, any one of you listening or watching on the replay or listening on the, the podcast, Dan goes into so many great details. Like there's so many gems in this book. Some really fun, not only fun behind the scenes stories with name dropping actor, celebrity types, but poetry, I guess every year yes. you write a poem, which is super cool. And I've been to slam dance to the um, talks. I've never been to a film mm -hmm. screening, so I got to get right, there right. sometime, but it is it's, it's such a different vibe. I almost feel like it's punk rock, hardcore. It is yep. this like really experimental, artistic edge. And you are really focused on first-time filmmakers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I think is really a beautiful thing. Uh, but this book, in its, in, its, in its second edition, you talk a lot about, uh, it, it's really current about distribution stuff, about the landscape that's constantly changing. So you're probably going to have to do a third edition in a year or two. Who knows? Things change so fast. But I love that you also talk about pandemic stuff which is super true to us now and probably will be true yeah. to us in 2022 how do we make films but uh i wanted to talk just a couple things i've again underlined a million things uh you talk about firing hiring and firing <laughs> crew and i'm really interested in that because i find myself you know challenged in this space i am a people person i love the collaboration process, but it's hard when you start navigating the the space and you figure out, you know, people, we all have different expectations and there are just different personalities and sometimes they don't jive. And when you have the, the vision to tell a story and someone who's not aligning with that vision, how it's really, you talk about, you know, getting rid of them quickly and that kind of thing. I wonder if you could just share some of your thought, maybe tips and tricks when it comes to putting crews together. Cause oh, I, where'd I, I go. Are Where am I? There I am. Oh, you're there. You're there. Yeah. We see you. We see you. Uh, just share anything about your thoughts about how filmmakers. Hang on, I'm just switching Wi-Fi. Oh, did we? Maybe he's uh, he's breaking up on his end. Okay. Well, as Dan does that, I uh, I will just you know again promote this book by saying he uh, he talks so much Hello? about every single process. You back, Dan? You there? 
and you know from the editing to the distribution to the finding finding your your producers and that kind of thing uh, i think it's really important for people who want to make movies you know first of all you got to have a good idea you got to write that good idea you got to raise money to make that idea but then you got to find the right crew and so that's what i'd like to have dan chat a little bit about about some kind of tips and tricks for really finding the right crew and then when you maybe think you found the right crew and they don't work out <laughs> how to minimize those crew from detracting from your vision dan thoughts yeah. on hiring uh, and firing sorry crew. i was well, the trick is to find people is if you can to try try to find people that are aligned with you, not just not just creatively, but also, uh, you know, temperamentally, um, you know, that are, are mm. with you for the vision. If you can find them initially, then you don't have to fire anyone. <laughs> um, yeah. the, the 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 advantage to doing like a low budget indie film is that. I mean, it's an advantage and disadvantage. The the good side is that nobody's getting paid much money. Uh, I mean, that's the bad side is nobody's getting paid much, much money. I mean, if you're paying people a ton of money, in some ways it's easier to fire them because, well, hey, you made a lot of money your first three days. See you later, you know? And they're like, all right, great. I got paid. Um, but in a weird way, if you're not paying people much money at all and things aren't working out, relationship wise on set or creatively on set then in some ways that's easy too because they may go you know what this wasn't worth it anyway i'm out of here you know and 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 okay great bye see ya you know <laughs> um and so sometimes that can work out like they they may want to leave more than you want to get rid of them and once you figure that out then it's really easy um and uh, but I, I think that the, but I think you're sort of hit on sort of an underlying theme of the book, which is that, you know, anyone can teach the nuts and bolts or learn the nuts and bolts of, of, uh, and the craft of filmmaking, um, you know, either through film school or through getting jobs or just through YouTube. But I think what I go into maybe a bit more uniquely is the interpersonal relationships that you need to have and need to build and, and forge and maintain, when you're making these independent films. Are you guys still there? 100%. Yeah. Oh, we're okay. still Sorry. here. You're not I, just talking into the void. No, we hear okay. that. <laughs> okay. We, yeah, we definitely talk a lot about that. Finding your right crew mm -hmm. and those relationships are paramount when you're, you know, basically working for food sometimes on these low budget indie yeah. films. You got to find people who just are in it with you, who, who mm -hmm. love the, the work and are willing to work late and hard and do whatever it takes to make a movie. So I, yeah, I'm, so yeah, I totally 100% agree. Yeah. Christina. Absolutely. Yeah, Dan, you seem to be such a solutions-driven human being. So I'm <laughs> dying I'm dying to know what kind of obstacles are you facing now as an author, as a film fest founder, as a filmmaker, and how are you rising to the occasion and overcoming uh some of those obstacles? Well, uh there was a pandemic <laughs> this year <laughs> and you know, uh, we just kind of made the most of it. Um, uh, so, for example, you know, like I said, we, you know, we we had to wrap with eighty percent of the movie in the can, and I was like, "All right, I'm just going to edit it myself and edit the footage I did have." Um, and then there were some things we were going to do in post, like uh, well, like music, obviously, but also uh, recording um, our voice performers because we have this. Uh, it's a recurring thing. There's this Nixon tape. It's all about the missing tape 
missing 18 and a half minute gap in the Nixon tapes. And so we knew we had, you know, Bruce Campbell and John Cryer and Ted Ramey on board. And we were just going to, the plan was always to shoot them sometime in post-production. So when we had this pandemic pause, we're like, well, why don't we do it now? You know, all these actors have kind of normalized being on Zoom and doing podcasts and interviews and things like that. So we're like, all right, let's just do it remotely. They were all in three different cities. So honestly, it was a lot cheaper to do it that way um, Mm. than it would have been to get a studio and get them all together in LA or something. So uh, we kind of did it by Zoom, but then also had them record separately uh, on on like a quick, you know, different kinds of QuickTime files. They all had kind of slightly different si- systems. So we had the Zoom so we could all see each other and sync things up later. But then we had, you know, better quality audio uh, late, um, you know, that they would just send me later on. Uh, they would just email me those files. And that was like a perfect example of where, OK, there's a pandemic. How can we make this work? you know, to our advantage. And Mm -hmm. and honestly, it was a lot cheaper and simpler and faster doing it that way than we ever would have thought about doing, you know, had it not been. Um, So it was things like that. And and being able to work with my composer, even though we weren't done with the film, uh, you know, normally you finish the film, you lock picture, and then you start working on the music. In our case, I mean, I, I, I'm very tight with my composer, Luis Guerra, and we'd worked on my last film together. And we'd already, even while we were in the writing stage of the script, had some of the music uh, figured out because there's like original Bossa Nova songs that we wrote. And, um, and so, again, during that sort of six-month hiatus, we were able to say, you know what, we, we don't know ex- what the exact timing is going to be because the editing isn't done, but we, we know pretty much what most of these scenes are going to be. So why don't we get together with a singer in, in uh, we found a Brazilian singer in LA, um, uh, Cara Pierotto, and work with her and she could, you know, and we could work with her safely during the pandemic because, you know, musicians are in their little booths and protected by glass and uh, working. And Luis was working with musicians in Mexico and Brazil. So, you know, things like that we could do, um, we could do remotely during that time. So we never really wasted time, uh, which I think was a nice thing. Like every day during the pandemic, the film was moving forward. It may have been a little step. It may have been two steps Mm -hmm. forward, one step back. But there was never a day where we were waiting. Uh, and even even though we were still raising money, I mean, the whole time. And of course, we had to raise a lot more money because we knew we'd have to go back and do all the COVID protection things. So we were still raising money that whole time. But but we never slowed down the creative process. There was always something mm-hmm. going on. And I think that's a key thing, you know, to keep in mind, regardless of what you're you know, whether it's a comic book or a movie or a script or writing a treatment is as long as you're making some forward progress every day Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter how fast you're going as long as it's moving somewhat forward and so that's kind of what kept us going like you know like hey we're making progress here and and honestly you know it it, it's fine we were in no rush it's not like festivals were live (laughs) so we weren't missing out on anything it's not like distributors were rushing to pick up films so we're like you know let's take our time you know with this thing and 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 creatively just you know, make the best film we can. And then we'll worry about selling it and seeing if anybody likes it. 
I love that one step at a time. We always talk about braving your way forward one mm-hmm. one week at a time. Even if you look at your 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 year, you know, doing one thing a week. If you just did one thing a week, how much you could accomplish in a year? Yeah. Uh, the fundraising part, the the asking, <laughs> you know, for help. That's such a huge part of it. I wanted to show your. I believe it was one of your crowdsourcing videos that you mm-hmm. have on Vimeo, and sure. we'll chat a little bit about this as we have a lot of viewers who are trying to make their films and trying to figure out strategies to raise their funds. This is a great example of how to do that. So stand by for Dan's 18 and a half video fundraising video. Hi, I'm Dan Murphy. Some of you may know me as a co-founder of the Slam Dance Film Festival. Writer and the director of several award-winning films is Omaha the Movie, Open House, Between Us, or Bernard and Hughie. Are you on the lamb? I'm here in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, in front of the iconic Watergate Hotel that ultimately led to the cover-up that led to the downfall of the Nixon presidency. And that is what my new film, 18 and a Half, that's the name of it, is all about. It's about the missing 18 and a Half minute gap in the Nixon tapes because he taped himself in the White House. Somehow, 18 and a Half minutes erased. Well, whatever happened to them? Because people have got to know whether or not their presidents are crook. Well, this film is going to answer that question. And it's very relevant to today's time because presidential power gone amok, gone awry, gone akimbo. A scandal at the White House? That's crazy talk. Well, I'm not a crook. It's exciting, it's historical, but fictional. There's action and romance and there's intrigue. It's a real throwback to the 70s conspiracy thrillers. What I know is I need a good alias and I need a good idea. I'm going to be directing this film and I'm writing with my dear friend Daniel over here. I'm Daniel. I'm writing 18 and a half. Super excited about the project. We're shooting on Long Island where I grew up. It means a lot to me. Working with Harry at the Silver Sands Motel out in Greenport. It's beautiful. Silver Sands was built in 1957, the time of American idealism. No one has ever shot a full feature film here. We've been the home of Lots of great fashion editorials, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, Supermodels, and Fat on this car. We, we, need, your we help. need your help to make this possible to shoot the first great film shot at the Silver Sands Motel. But the Silver Sands is only closed down for a few months in the winter, so that means we need to shoot soon. We've started casting, and we've already got big Hollywood actors who want to be in the movie. We've even started writing the original soundtrack. Got the eye of We've raised some of the money already, but now we need your help to spread the word and become part of the team that's making this historic film for just a small donation, you'll follow the ups and downs of casting, choose amazing swag, get your name in the credits, so these are some of our backers, and maybe even visit the set or come to our festival premiere. Whether through crowdfunding, investing in the film, a tax-deductible donation, or doing product placement, there's lots of ways you can be a part of 18 and a half. Thank you. Such a great uh, video. So fast. Thank you. Says yeah. all the stuff that it needs to say. Mm-hmm. I hope those of you who are watching uh, live or on the replay, please. And if you're watching live, you can put questions in the comments. Uh, we have people who are saying thanks. We're excited to get your book. Uh, Nicole says she already has your book. When you came to the Noam Kroll Black Law, which is cool. yeah, yeah is great. Got her hands on your stuff already. Now that video is again talked about in here. You'll hear all about the hotel in which they filmed that. Now in the book, there's kind of a cliffhanger about the hotel because it was going to be sold. So I'm wondering, is it sold? No. Okay. It has not yet been sold, but okay. it was still it was still wound up being a good idea that we shot when we did. Uh, Perfect. Because that, awesome. that was the thing that really drove us to sh- to go mm-hmm. going back and shooting in September of 2020 was that uh, yeah there was a potential that the hotel was going to get sold. So we were like, oh, we all got to yep. go back. And <laughs> Incentivized. Luckily, yeah. So luckily, all the cast and crew were available then. That was and it turned out to be a good window because people did get busy after that, and then. You know, and then the pandemic kind of came and went and, you know, has, has had up. And so it wound up 
be a good. I'm I'm glad we went when we did. So yeah. So Dan, we ask for advice and you know filmmakers to share you know their stories from the trenches, and we kind of always say, "What's your advice for people to make movies?" And everyone always says, "Go make it," which we say that all the time too. But I want to get some specific maybe thoughts. Yeah, on mm-hmm. some best practices as a director you've directed on how directors can work with actors and mm-hmm. actors, things that they can do to better work with directors. Every director is different. Every actor is different, different. But from your perspective, yeah. what's worked for you in the past and what hasn't? What things should we do and what things should we avoid? Right. Well, the, you know, the thing I learned from Robert Altman, yeah. but also heard it from other directors was, was you know, 90% of directing is casting. And once you, so I spend a lot of time casting um, and trying to meet with actors and, and not even necessarily audition them because if the, the more famous actors, the less likely you are to actually do an audition. Um, uh, but if I can meet with them, have coffee with them or talk on the phone or, or, or that kind of thing, it makes a really huge difference. Um, you know, I like actors that are, that are smart. Um, and have their own take on the character and on the material overall. Um, and, and I like, I want them to feel like they like the whole script, not just, they're not just doing it for their part. Um, although ultimately that is the way you get an actor is to make sure their part is, is good and has monologues and, and is going to get screen time. Um, that's what actors pretty much look for, you know, but, um, but if they kind of see the whole vision of the film too, I think that that makes for a better performance and and a more collaborative environment on set. Like if they're also looking out for the other actors, like oh wait, your would your character say that or would your you know, and like how can I what can I do to make your character you know say the right thing or or does this you know if they've got ideas on finishing the movie you know like rewriting the ending. Uh, which uh, I've had a lot of actors do and to the betterment of most of the films too. Um, you know, that's great. And if, uh, and and so I think when you have a good like two hour coffee with an actor um, or Zoom call, you know, if you can, um, that makes a big difference. Um, I've also done rehearsal. We didn't really do rehearsal on 18 and a half or, or not much rehearsal, uh, but on Bernard and Huey, my last film, uh, that was kind of the sweet spot. Like we did uh, on my film between us, we did almost two weeks rehearsal, which I think was too long. Bernard and Huey, we did about three or four days. And that was, that was kind of right on the money. That was great. Um, because it just gets, it's not so much that, you know, it's, it's not a play. So it's not like you're doing it because you're trying to get everybody off book and, and memorize the script. But it what it does is it gets everybody, kind of on the same page in terms of chemistry and pacing, especially if you have um, an ensemble cast and so different actors are in different scenes and they may never see each other on set, but you kind of all want them to be part of the same movie. And so you can do that in rehearsal because they, you know, one actor can come in and see another actor rehearsing and go, oh, okay, that's kind of the pace and the style and the level of comedy versus drama that we're doing in this film. And they can kind of calibrate their own performance to what they see the other, sorry, what they see the other actors doing. And so you can kind of dial that stuff in during rehearsal in a way that's harder on set. Um, that said, you know, uh, if the circumstances are what they happen to be, um, 
and you can't rehearse, um, at least have the actors spend time together. You know, uh, on, Bernard, on 18 and a half, we didn't really have the luxury of rehearsal time, but the actors, at least in the initial shoot, were, you know, they had to drive for three hours together in a car just to get to set. And then, you know, then their rooms were right next to each other. We were yeah. all staying at the same place and staying, you know, the cast and crew were all staying together. So that kind of vibe really helped. It, it, it really built that sort of intrinsic chemistry into the relationships among the actors. Uh, but then by the same token, we had some other characters come in like a week later with, you know, just who had just been cast like 36 hours before nobody knew what they were going mm. to do. And, and that in a weird way that worked too, because then the reactions that the other actors had to those performances was, it, it, it worked in the context of the film, like, Oh, they really were surprised by what these characters were going to do. And so that was fun seeing how not having rehearsal can also in some ways work to your advantage. Um, uh what oh sorry i'm reading quotes from myself there uh, <laughs> no need you I, was, I, was, you I, thought these, I thought i was reading comments from someone else like oh wow that's a brilliant thing someone said but dan speaking <laughs> speaking of cast before we get to that next yeah. question we have these six degrees of separation so you cast sullivan jones who yeah, was Sully. on our podcast over a year ago i met him oh when God. i was in new york he was in a yeah. film that i executive produced a surrogate and then i saw him in slave play and i just thought yeah. that's so oh, funny wow. he was on our show and he's a oh, great fantastic. guy and so him. yeah i'm excited to see him and what he did in the film so hi shout out to sullivan yeah i, I, I love yeah, we, were just, we were just texting all week because um because we've been doing like photo approvals and sure. bio approvals and things like that but yeah he was great to work with and and you know we and he was someone like who i think three days before he came out this was in the september part of the shoot he reminded me because we had met you know like i said we'd had coffee you know for like an hour and a half like six months earlier and then had, you know and then we had this break uh, and then he's like, oh, yeah, sh you re uh, remember I mentioned I play guitar. Should I bring my guitar out there? And I was like, uh -huh. yeah, you should bring your guitar. And then that night, Luis and I wrote a song for him. That's and he, show he showed up. And we're like, by the way, you know, you, you know that guitar you brought? We wrote a song for you to sing. He's like, wait, this isn't, is this a musical? I was That's like, awesome. Well, it is. Maybe it is now. Yeah. And so he he did it. He pulled it he pulled it off and it's a great song and it's you know he sings it live in one take and um yeah and the rest of the cast were like hang on a second is this are we doing a musical now? <laughs> I was like you never know with me, you know. So I love it. And you found um, that because that, you yeah. spent time with him because that yeah, relationship exactly was exactly because I knew he played guitar and and uh you know and he and he brought it up. So um, but yeah, and I knew, you know, I knew he had a stage background and anyone that's done theater, I mean, not that Slave Play is a musical, but I, I he played he, violin in it. So oh, yeah. he did. All right. Yeah. yeah. See, I never saw it. My yeah. uh, writing pr producing partner, Daniel Moy, he saw the play, but I never got a chance to because I live in LA. Um, but yeah, no, he's, uh, he's phenomenal in the film. He plays Barry the hippie and, um, and he's great. He's great in the film. Great. I want to jump back to uh, yeah. the film fest. So I'm working on two documentaries right now. I'd love to see them, you know, in some film festivals. What should filmmakers know if you get into a film festival to really have a phenomenal experience and really make the most of that opportunity? That's a great idea. Well, assuming it's a live festival, which, um, you know, 
not all festivals are going to be live for a little while still. Some are, but um, but a lot of them are staying online longer than they thought they were going to. But assuming it's a live festival, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, I love going to festivals. I For me, it is your theatrical release. Even if you get a, theat- a quote-unquote theatrical release later, it doesn't mean very many people are going to see your film. But at a festival, most festivals do a pretty good job filling the theaters for you. Even so, you still have to be be there promoting the film, passing out flyers, putting up posters, um, going to other people's films, uh, seeing them, meeting other filmmakers. I think the the most interesting thing that you get out of a f- going to a film festival and the most valuable thing is the thing that you don't think about beforehand, and that is meeting other filmmakers who will then become your friends for life, your collaborators, your, your buddies, in some cases, your spouse, you know, so that those relationships are are probably the most important relationships you're going to get out of festivals and probably the least important thing that you think you're going to get out of a festival. Um, But that said, there's also like spend time with your audience because those people are going to be investors on your next film. You know, you never know. So, I mean, I have one, Tony, you've, I don't know if you read this part, but like if you're trying to raise money, Go to a film festival, don't bring your own car, but hang out in parking lots, find the fanciest car you can find of a festival (laughs) attendee because they're and they're probably a sponsor of the festival and have fancy tickets and then try to bum a ride from them to the next venue. And now you've got a captive audience for 20 minutes with the richest person in town. And if you can't turn that into a potential future investor, you're just not trying You've got a lot of fun little ideas like that, yeah. talking, talking about going to Park City, not knowing where you're going to stay, and couch surfing, and I like that. Like I love, I love that. Yeah, I think, yeah that's yeah, the kind it's a of very fearless, fearless approach, Dan. That's right. You've got to yeah. be relentless. You've got to be fearless. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I love that you're pointing out the relationships that can start at a film festival can mm-hmm. be lifelong. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, you well, can also end relationships at film festivals too. So you got to be careful. But and you talk about that kind of in a bookend <laughs> way. You start the book talking about getting your crew, and then you kind of end the the, the the book in a way that says, "Now, when you get to the film screening, there's going to be someone else mad at you because you maybe left them out of the credits, or or you didn't give them what they thought they were going to expect." Yeah. And, Uh, Those managing relationships is... Yeah, or just the fact that you get to go to the film festival because you're the director, and that means, by definition, nobody else is there. You know, none of your the rest of your cast or crew. So they're all jealous of you. You're, you know, down in Barbados having a great time on the beach hanging out with Sigourney Weaver, and they're like, well, hang on a second. I thought we were making a little indie film. You know, how do do I not... Why stand down there, you know? Did you get to hang out with Sigourney Weaver, Dan? Yes, yes. that's awesome. Yeah. No, the Barbados Independent Film Festival. It's a great festival, by the way. They wanted me to to shout out that they are uh, taking submissions right now for February. Nice. And Dan has... Dan has a huge index of film festivals at the at the back of the book. The appendix, diff- yeah, my yeah. secret list. Secret the secret list. list, and a couple of them have you know some uh, notations. Yeah. yeah, so check it out. This is such a good resource. The Cheerful Subversive's Guide to Independent Filmmaking. And the Cheerful Subversive was a label you got, I believe, from the New York Times. Yeah, um, yeah, back in the nineties. Yeah, they wrote a piece about Slam Dance, and after interviewing me, I was the one they interviewed. Um, they call this a group of cheerful subversives. So I guess that that uh, so I would I just grab that title. <laughs> Got <laughs> to love that. Um, but it is yeah. kind of like everything I've done, whether it's been books or or, or films or, or other projects. It, it's kind of imbued everything I've done. It's like you know what we're only on this world the limited time. So have fun, smile, 
uh, try to keep people, other people happy and not mad at you. And, uh, and if you can create a little art along the way, great. But Perfect advice, right? Yeah. 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 Well, Dan, thank you. Stick around. We're going to do our brave faves of the week. Brave faves, TV shows, films, books, songs, technology, clothing, podcast, food, and more. These are a few of our favorite people, places, and things. Brave faves. All right. It's our favorite time of the week. Christina, we'll start with you. What, what are you faving this week? What am I faving? Uh, I'm in Marvel Universe as always. And if you are a fan of animation, this is Marvel Studios' first animation. It's called What If. Uh, it's They have new episodes every Wednesday. This is uh, Imagine a Multiverse of Unlimited Possibilities. And it's just phenomenal. You'll love it. You'll love all their decisions, all the animation, the audio. It is directed by uh, Bradley Andrews. Am I, uh, is that right? Brad, Brian Andrews, excuse me. Brian Andrews is the director. AC Bradley is the head writer. And it's just good. It's just fun. It's absolutely amazing. So that is my brave fave. Right on. Dan, what do you want to fave this week? What's good? Um, I just uh, watched a weird double header on TC. I watch a lot of Turner Classic movies because uh, I can't figure out how streaming channels work so i just yep. watch cable um and i saw a 1949 film 12 o'clock high with gregory peck uh which is a great film but the interesting thing is i also watch on i don't know some basic cable channel uh the tv series 12 o'clock high which was done in the early mid 60s and the weird thing is seeing uh how a TV series evolved from a feature. I mean, you know, we all know like MASH started as a feature and went to a series. And it's interesting seeing that because, you know, because uh, honestly, I mean, we're pitching Teen and a Half as a potential episodic springboard. And so it's funny to see examples from when 80 years ago, you know, where that happened 70 years ago. Um, of how people, you know, take a transmedia approach to, okay, or an IP approach. That's the buzzword now, right? Like mm -hmm. you have a film, that's your base for your IP. How do you turn it into a series or a comic book? Or how do you turn mm -hmm. a comic book into this? And so it's interesting seeing different adaptations of the same material. And of course, both were, oh, there it is. Oh my gosh, it's 12 o'clock high. Um, and uh, there's Gregory Peck in the background. Um, and of course, that itself was based on a book, you know, um, based on World War II. So I, so it's been interesting using like these old, you know, looking at these old, uh, you know, movies and, and TV series, which are still hold up amazingly well. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, I, I wish I could cast Gregory Peck. <laughs> but um, and then maybe and then you can. You could go back in time with your next I know, film. Or, yeah. yeah, just do some deep fake. That's work, right. Defense AI work on his voice. Yeah, easy peasy. Yeah. You know. So, Great. Anyway, twelve o'clock high. Yeah, was, Turner yeah, classic. Yeah. Yes. It was. Uh, it's funny. They use some of the same footage. They use some of the same dialogue in the series as the movie. I was like, can they do that? Is that? A <laughs> That's great. Cool. Good. Well, my brave fave is a limited series called I Hate Susie on HBO Max. It is a really great. British uh, comedy series that actually dabbles in genre. It does kind of a horror episode. It does a comedy. You know, it just, it really plays with all of these different kind of 
genre bending things. And I love shows about the industry as a filmmaker and actor. I love shows. And it's about Lucy Pickles, who was a teen star, teen pop star, becomes an actor who then in the prime of her acting career, when she's just about to become a huge Disney princess, she gets some nudes leaked from her phone. And it deals with how the industry, how the public deal with women. And it's a great kind of case study in regards to grief and how one processes that type of disruption and invasion in their life. And I just, I love it. I, I had never heard of the uh, the actor before, Billy Piper, who also is one of the creators. And Lucy Preble created it as well. It's just super fun. A great, great little romp of a eight episode uh, show. So check it out. I hate Susie on HBO Max. All right. Well, that's all we got. Dan, thank you so much for, for being okay. with us. No, thank you. Sorry, my wife is going to Costco, so <laughs> let me know if anyone needs anything. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Give me a hot dog. We need seaweed yeah. chips. That's right. <laughs> Dan, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Well, they can come to Culver media. City, but I won't let them in my house, not without a mask. Um, uh, they can uh, find me on the, I'm on Twitter at uh, Dan Mervish. That's it. And I think on, I think that, and then I'm starting to use Instagram more. That's at D Mervish and also Facebook D Mervish on the, um, I think I'm on clubhouse too, but I haven't been on there in, in a few months. So I want to thank you for spot, spotlighting me on your Instagram. I posted a picture of me with oh, your book. Thanks. Yeah. No, that was intimate awesome. position. Me and my, my bed holding your book. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I, I hope you're wearing pants, but I love it. I, <laughs> I, I, I D- You can enjoy the book however you want. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. And then the book itself, you can get it on Amazon or as I say, go to Rutledge. I think they're having a, a, a discount right now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, or you can just go to, I have a trailer for the book is on my website at, which is at dammervish.com. And then also updates on 18 and a half will be at dammervish.com too. Sweet. Well, Hey, stick around for just two minutes. Or we'll do our outros and we'd love to do a picture with you. Yeah. I love that cup. Look at that swag. Yeah, see, you Those of you who are there. listening to the audio, he's showing a white coffee mug with the 18 and a half logo. It's beautiful. Butcher knife. Oh, that's so cool. It is beautiful. Christina, tell us what's coming up next week. Yes, so make sure to tune in next week after our regularly scheduled program at 4 p.m. with director Allie Ginsberg. We are going to have a special screening of their activists, and we will have filmmaker Dana Johnson on with us at 6 p.m., so tune in next week for that screening. If you haven't already, make sure you have liked, subscribed, and turn on notifications for the Brave Maker channel, so you know when our screening starts next Wednesday. I love yes. it. Yes. And don't forget, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you want to donate any amount, that's $5 to $5 million, we will take it. You can use your phone. Just text the word Brave Maker to 44321 or go to our website at bravemaker.com. Make sure you follow us on all the socials. We're on Instagram at Brave Maker Film Fest. Our YouTube is Brave Maker Org, O-R-G. And if you want to get in touch with us and hear about what's happening on a bi-weekly basis, we send our email just twice a month. Go to bravemaker.com slash 
buzz and you'll find out about all of our film screenings, our opportunities for screenwriting workshops, our auditions for our films and other fun stuff that you all creative people will love and enjoy. So that's all we have for today, Dan. And uh, we're super glad for our guest, Dan. We're going to take a picture with you afterwards. But until then, brave stories change the world. And you are the story. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.